Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. too bad. Um, uh, today's a day of celebration. I just want you to know that. Um, and the primary reason is that it is above zero today, um, or as we call it here, spring. Um, so enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, also, I just, I, it's kind of a little bit of a sidebar. Uh, if you haven't been around Church on the Rock long, um, when we do communion, there's this event that happens after the cup that probably seems really weird to you. Um, uh, and that's because it is. I, I actually don't even know when it started or how it started. I know if we had glass communion cups, there would be a lot less of it. Um, but I just want you to see, this is my wife's and my cup, and they're both fully intact. That's enough said. Okay, so. <laughs> just kidding, I kinda like it. Um, that's probably why it never's been stopped. Um, anyways. I like you guys. I, I, was, I realized um, uh, last night I was looking back through previous Sundays, which I do fairly often just to see if I'm wearing the same thing I wore the previous week, because I typically wear the same thing all week long. Um, and I was doing that, and I realized, um, especially for this service and the third service, um, that it has been five weeks since I've been here in person. Um, uh, and so, a couple of things. First of all, for those who are watching online, it probably made no difference um, to you. But for me, I'm really glad to be back in the room with you, but also 
Um, I'm also really grateful uh, for our team and for your willingness um, to let me be off-site um, and to endure things that maybe aren't your favorite sometimes, because the past couple of weeks, um, Kitri and I and our ability to be in Palmer with the Palmer campus as they're navigating some challenges um, was just really important and a huge blessing to them. So thank you uh, for allowing us to be able to do that. Um, now, you may be sitting there thinking, I didn't allow you to do that, but whatever. Um, it, either way, thanks for showing back up after that. Um, hey, we're, uh, we're going to move into part two in Vision 2024. And I want to say this sort of out of the gate. Um, I have never been more excited than I am currently about our future as a church. And I sort of threw down the gauntlet last week via video at all of our campuses. Um, but basically what I'm communicating is watch and see. I'm going to describe some things. I'm going to recap in case you missed last week so you know some of the changes that are coming up over the next 11 months. Um, but here's what you have to hear me say. I fundamentally believe that everything we have described to you and what I'll be describing today is good. In fact, at a board level, at an elder level, um, at a staff level, it is abundantly clear that the Lord is positioning us as a church for the next 10 to 15 years of running after what he has for us. Now, I can tell you that, and maybe you're a skeptic, maybe you've been through bad things at churches before. Trust me, we've been through some bad things <laughs> before. In fact, I have transition trauma. I don't even like the word transition. Um, uh, but the reality is that what we're giving you is an opportunity to watch and see. Watch and see if what we're going to describe to you isn't exactly what transpires over the next 11 months or so. So, in case you missed it, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. I, I think I should say it anyways. Uh, but the reality is that um, over the next few months, um, there are going to be several successions. And I use that word intentionally because that's actually what's happening. Someone is identifying that it's time for me to hand off this to the next generation so that they can step into what God has for them and our church gets to step into its next season. But let me describe a few of these things. Um, the first one is uh, Jonathan Garland and myself. We've been running together in our role in central leadership at Church on the Rock. What has become clear to me over the past couple of years is that he has gifting and passion in areas that I don't necessarily have the same level of gifting or passion. Um, it is not fair, although I've said it several times, to say, I'm going to hand off to him all the things I don't like doing. That really isn't true. I actually enjoy many of those things, but recognize he will do a better job at them, a better job for our church, for our staff, and it will free me up to actually be doing the things I uniquely contribute to Church on the Rock in the lead pastor role. So that'll be happening. It's already sort of a rolling transition as I'm handing things off to him um, in this season so that I'm freeing myself up to be able to put my energies towards other things. The second one that's coming up is about four uh, months away now, a little bit less, and that is with Pastor Chris and Lori Miller at our Palmer campus. They are the founding pastors of that campus. They have been running at that campus for a long time, and I will just tell you this. You can ask them. In fact, they're sharing their story today over in Palmer with that campus, but Chris and Lori are the ones who recognized they're coming into a season of change, and that the church needed leadership for the next season. 
which is a hard thing to do when you started something, to entrust it to someone else. And as Chris and Lori have been praying into that and sharing that with us, I've been telling our staff, our elders, watch these guys, because that day's coming for all of us the day when it's time to hand something off to the next generation. And I want to be able to be self-aware enough, grace-filled enough, and faith-filled enough that I can do that when the time comes. Because you and I both know that uh, often in church leadership, pastors hold on to authority a lot longer than they should have. And what happens in those scenarios is that the gap between one generation and the next generation gets wider and wider. And all of a sudden, when you do finally decide to hand it off, it's like you had grandpa leading you, and now you got the grandbaby leading you. People are like, what is happening? There's actually a a sweet spot, a time where you can hand off to the next generation, and they can actually step into what God has for them in that season. Chris and Lori are modeling that for us right now. So Josh and Audra O'Donnell, many of you know them. They have said yes to that role at the Palmer campus. Um, I'll just tell you, as Chris and Lori met with the O'Donnells and then came back and reported to me, there was like a genuine enthusiasm and excitement. They were like, these are the right people. And when that campus pastor says they think they're the right people, I'm paying attention. Also, if you really like Josh and Audra, you're still not allowed to leave this campus and go over to Palmer, okay? Uh, Just... Whatever. Um, uh, Josh and Audra are stepping in over there. They're in Willow right now, and so that's a loss for the Willow campus, but I'll get to that in just a moment. Here at the Wasilla campus, I shared this last week, um, Paul and Emily Sliwa are going to be stepping in here. Where are you guys? Right back there. They just got back from Hawaii. <sighs> Listen, I told First Service the same thing. You don't have to be so excited with me right here, okay? Uh, yeah. No, I'm actually really excited. This is a conversation that we've been having for many years. I've seen a potential there. I've seen something I feel like the Lord was doing that is unique to our campus, who they are as individuals, and the next season for our church. And so they're going to be stepping into that role. Paul is much tanner than he is in this picture right now because, don't believe him, he says they just got back from Hawaii, but he's been fake baking at the tanning salon. That's really a no, they just got back, um, and, uh, and so we've been talking about this, and they came back with a resounding yes. They believe this is the time for them. This is the right season. Um, in many ways, and I want to say this. I'll keep saying this over the next, um, we have about seven to eight months before this actually takes place. Part of the reason we're telling you now is we're saying watch and see, um, but um, uh, part of the uh, unique element in this situation is that we have an extended period of time to walk several things out to get them ready, but I am not going anywhere. In fact, this is still my family's home campus. Um, I'll still be involved in roughly two-thirds of the preaching and teaching because it's our broadcast campus as well, but at a leadership level for the Wasilla campus, Paul is stepping into that and be leading the staff, leading initiatives here at our campus, outreach events, all of those kinds of things. He is going to be the campus pastor here. And then the last one is um, actually at our Willow campus. Uh, Dale and Frankie Shillington said yes during a time of transition there to stepping in, riding the ship, and they were the perfect people for it. They gave us a two-year commitment when they stepped into that role, which actually ends this coming December. I've known for quite a while that Dale and Frankie are ready to retire, which I hate that word in ministry because 
I just have no intention of ever retiring. Uh, but they are ready to have a little bit more flexibility with their time to go see their grandkids and their kids down in Texas and other places. And so, and they've missed all of you so much. Um, they actually want to be back here at the Wasilla campus with us when the time is right. But they're going to be uh, making that transition with the Ajos in Willow. And if you know the Ajos at all, they are Willow Billies, um, which... I told them the other day, um, I'm from Homer, uh, and we were Homeroids. So I'd much rather be a Willow Billy than a Homeroid, um, just to be clear. Uh, but uh, they're um, Willow through and through, and they've been engaged and involved in that community for a long time, and we've identified that we believe they're the right people for this next season. So they're going to be working alongside Dale and Frankie as they make that succession plan out in the future. So here's what it looks like on a timeline. You got about four months um, uh, before things take place in Palmer. We got about seven to eight months before those things happen here at the Wasilla campus. And then we've got about 10 to 11 months for the uh, Willow piece. The reason I tell you all of that is because we believe all of these things are actually fundamentally good. And so we want to let you know now what we see coming throughout the course of this year because we believe it's positioning us for the future. Now, it's important sometimes to say what is not happening. And this is really critical. Chris and Lori are sharing their story this week in Palmer, but what is not happening is that Chris and Lori are not leaving. In fact, they're gonna be stepping into a different role of sorts. They're gonna be here at the Wasilla campus for a little while while Josh and Audra begin to lead over at the Palmer campus, but eventually they wanna be back in Palmer. That's their town, that's their church they love, and they wanna serve there under Josh and Audra. But we also want to utilize Chris, and if you've ever heard Chris preach, he is a fireball, and I want to utilize Chris's preaching capacity at our other campuses. And so he's already scheduled into our preaching and teaching rotation at other campuses down the road here. So Chris and Lori aren't going anywhere. Um, and also, Dale and Frankie are not going anywhere. Uh, the Lord can do whatever he wants, right? There's always that caveat if the Lord calls me to something. But as far as we know right now, their plan is to be back here at the Wasilla campus serving and loving you guys and then serving our pastoral staff because they have years of pastoral experience under their belt that they can give away to other pastoral staff. And then Kitri and I are not leaving. We're just going to spend half the year in Hawaii. So let's move on. I'm just kidding. I said it in the first service. Somebody came up and like, I'm going to really miss you for that half year that you're, I'm like, I felt like that was a word from the Lord. Um, no, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're still functioning in our lead pastor capacity here at Church on the Rock, but I do need to be able to take some things off of my plate so that I can put my time and energy and attention to the things I uniquely contribute, I'm uniquely passionate about for our church. We have no sense that the Lord is calling us to go anywhere else. Um, and so if that were not the case, we would have told you before now, that's for sure. I'm pretty much an open book. All right, here's the most important thing, though. You need to know this, and this is the most critical piece. Jesus is still on the throne. Because what we're talking about is our plans, and we believe the Lord's in them. We believe that we've been praying about it and dreaming and scheming and all of those kinds of things, and we can see that the Lord is moving in these ways, but the reality is at the end of the day, it's his church. He builds his church. He's the one that causes his church to grow, and to the degree that we bring our plans into alignment with his direction, we get to join him in that. And so you just need to know that no matter what happens in the midst of all of these things, Jesus is still squarely seated on the throne. 
that while we're praying and asking and planning, he is not wondering what the right thing to do is. He already knows it. He already sees it. He already knows what he wants to accomplish, and his kingdom is advancing, and nothing can stop that. And we want to join him in it. Make sense? All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, um, So that brings me to Lemon Pie Lessons 2.0. If you were here last week or you watched it online, um, I I briefly told a story about um, lemon pie. My wife is just phenomenal. Her lemon pie is so, so good. And I told the story about one of my daughters had surpassed my wife in height, and my wife was celebrating that. Good leaders celebrate when others pass them, right? And, And so... It was a celebration. I was oblivious to it. Um, I didn't find out till later what we were celebrating. I was just excited about my piece of lemon pie. Following that, um, here's what I discovered. Anybody ever read um, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie? Even if you don't have kids and you're ready, you can still lift your hand. It's okay. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. I, this is sort of how I saw the whole lemon pie thing. If you make your daughter a lemon pie, your husband will want one too. If you give your preacher husband a lemon pie, he will tell everyone on the internet about it. If he tells everyone, everyone will want a lemon pie, which is exactly what happened. The number of text messages and whatnot that came my way, and and especially our pastor's chat, um, they were saying things like, I promise, I heard Jonathan say in the message that Kitchu was making lemon pie for all of us, right? And so, and I just thought it was really cute and sweet. And, and so I read these text exchanges to Kitchery that uh, I was bragging on her lemon pie. Uh, little did I know that she took it seriously. Um, in fact, um, I was at Band of Brothers on Tuesday and um, got word that she was en route with multiple lemon pies in the car for our pastoral staff. Now, typically when our meetings are over, they can't wait to get out of the building and on with their lives because like you, meetings are not their favorite thing in the world. And, and so they were getting ready to leave and I just said, hey, my wife's on her way with lemon pie uh, for us. And suddenly they all found things to stay and do at Band of Brothers. And, and it seemed to be taking a while for the lemon pies to arrive. And then I got a second phone call, um, uh, and my wife had parked in a spot that was hard to get out of, um, uh, and now you need to understand, we'll get here in a minute, this is entirely on me, um, but, but I had my little car that I had driven to, to the office, or to Band of Brothers, and, and so I uh, recruited Tim Bowles, who's sitting right over here, and, and he took his pickup truck, and he ran over there with his tow strap, and hooked up to the car, and like, this parking spot is hard to get out of. Um, broke the toe strap. And so I said, all right, I'm headed over there. I came over because I'm such a good husband. I gave her my car, which was nice and warm. And she took it and ran and then left me in her car with the lemon pies. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, I really like lemon pie. But these are four other people. But I'm also realizing that the reason, this was Tuesday, like it was slick out Tuesday, but I haven't put studs on our car in like 20 years. It was sort of like a badge of honor, like, you lived in Alaska long enough, who puts studs on? Well, I hadn't put studs on her heavy car, but I did have big knobby tires, which put very little tread on the road. And I realized as I'm sitting there in this predicament, people are driving by, maybe some of you drove by, and you're looking off at the guy who's sitting in the car down there, and I'm like, I didn't. Anyway, uh, 
realized as soon as the tow truck got there, which the first one they called through the insurance company was coming from Anchorage, so it was six days before they were going to be there. So then I just called a local one. It only took two days. It, uh, anyways, they got there. They pulled me out. It took forever. Um, uh, the car seemed to be fine. And I drove straight to Alieska Tire. And I just said, I need your best winter studded tires. I've put my wife through enough um, with these big knobby tires. It looks so much better on that car anyways. Uh, and so there I said, they tell me how much it costs. And $1,500 later, I'm thinking to myself, how did this become so complicated? Like just a few days ago, I was just sitting at my table, oblivious to anything else going on with my piece of lemon pie. And, and here I am at Alieska Tire spending $1,500 and got two lemon pies sitting beside me that nobody's eating. And, and where did it all go wrong was what I was wondering to myself. And here's what I've, I've discovered over the years, because there is a point to this story. I've discovered over the years that when you have any measure of success, when something goes well, and you begin to scale it up, to meet new needs or the needs of other people or you want to be a blessing to more, with all of those decisions comes a level of complexity. And suddenly you've got new problems to solve, new things to figure out. And there are many days, I'll just tell you, I'll be entirely transparent right now, um, which is not always good for me, just so you know. I'm protecting you quite often uh, from every thought that races into my head. But on our way home, often we'll drive by this little church on uh, the right-hand side of the road. I'm not going to name it, and I'm not even going to tell you what road. Uh, but, but I look at that little church, and I'll look over at my wife, and I'll be like, wouldn't it be nice to pastor a church of 60 people? You know everybody's names. You know their kids' names. You've been there for 10 years, 15 years. And often she'll respond to me, that, that would be nice. It's how she's wired for deep relationship roots. And then she says, but if you have any level of gifting and leadership and preaching and teaching, it won't stay 60 people. And you'll still have to figure out how you're going to effectively minister to more people. That's what we've been trying to figure out as a church. And often I think about um, uh, increasing things. I think about it um, in terms of addition, right? You, I say things like, we just added one campus, the Willow Campus. Or, or um, we just added one more thrift store, Thrifters Rock Wasilla. Or we just added one more auxiliary ministry. We just added Band of Brothers, but before you know it, you end up with seven locations around the Matsu and over 65 staff that you're managing. And you have to begin asking a new set of questions. How do we decentralize enough that we can be effective with all of the people that God is bringing into our church? And that's an entirely new way of leading. But this is the thing we've been wrestling with for many years now. How do we do that Better. And there's a principle I heard several years back, and as soon as I heard it, it registered with me immediately. It's true for you also in relationships and business, whatever it is that you're involved in. Um, and it's this, that complexity increases by multiplication, not by addition. I was trying to figure out, why are things so much more difficult? We just added one location. And yet the reality is, if you think about it in terms of just communication between parts of your organization, communication in your family, let alone, 
If you just think about it in those terms, if you've got two people involved, you've got two lines of communication. But if you have three people involved, you don't have three lines of communication, you now have six lines of communication. Because complexity increases by multiplication, not by addition. And all of a sudden, this light bulb went off for me, which also means that we have to figure out how to do things in a way that we can be effective. If you want people to have real relationship with one another, you actually have to get smaller as you get bigger. And so we've been wrestling with that, and it brings me to yours, mine, and ours. As I've thought about this, what are your responsibilities? What's my responsibility, and what are our shared responsibilities? And I often hear people talk about the early church as though it were the best thing since sliced bread. Like if we could just get back to the early church model, right? You know church isn't a building, right? Did you know that? Like we could do a whole sermon on it right now if you'd like. I mean, there's, but let me know if you know that. The church isn't a building. Like we call buildings church on the rock, but, but the reality is you're the church, right? And so this idea, sort of a Pollyanna idea that the early church was this place where they just gathered together and they met in homes and there was no politics and no structure. It was all spirit-led, but that isn't exactly true. In fact, in the early church, they had the exact same problem that we experience in church today. It was growing and they had to figure out how to be effective as it grew. Here it is, Acts chapter 6 is one example of this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. You thought it was just you. No, we thought it was just Israel. No, it's always been around. But they have a legitimate frustration. In fact, the the disciples don't come back and say, quit your whining. God, open up the earth and swallow all of them. That's Old Testament. Like, they didn't come back and say that. They actually put a plan Together, But here's what was going on. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. We could just say um, the Palmer people, the Palmeranians, complained about the willow billies. I don't know what Wasilians are, anyways. Saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Now, I want to pause here for a second, because maybe you've been conditioned to hear this in a particular way. Like, we apostles should be doing the important things, not running the food program. That is not what they're saying. They are not devaluing one or the other. They're identifying what is uniquely their responsibility because of who they are, the role they play in the early church, and wait till you see the kind of people they pick for the food program. You ready? Here we go. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We don't want to say, we're not looking for warm bodies. We're looking for people full of the Holy Spirit, people who have the spirit of wisdom in them, and they are well-respected in the community because we have a task, we have an assignment for them that is critical to all of us accomplishing the thing that God has called us to do. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, 
Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. So he selects some individuals that are full of the Holy Spirit, they're full of faith, and they hand this task off to them. Not because it's menial, but because it's meaningful. And here's, here's what I realized. Everyone liked the idea. You know why they liked the idea? Because there were things the apostles were supposed to be doing that they weren't getting around to, and the needs of the widows were not getting met because the apostles were doing it. There were things that they were not uniquely gifted or called to do, and they had the foresight to recognize this is yours and this is ours, and both are meaningful in the kingdom. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, and they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Kingdom expansion requires our willingness to let go of some things so that others could do them better. Here's what's intriguing to me. The apostles don't choose the seven men. They actually say, you pick them. You're going to know better than we will who the right people are, but here's the qualifications we're looking for. These qualifications are critical. Here's what you're going to discover just in the next few verses is that one of those table servers, one of the organizers of the food ministry, was the first martyr for Christ in the early church. And you know why he was martyred? Because he was out in the community performing miracles and preaching the gospel boldly, because that responsibility is ours. There are things that are yours. There are things that are mine, and there are things that are ours. All of us bear this responsibility to make disciples in whatever sphere of influence we find ourselves. Which brings me to sustainable strategies. We're sort of taking a three-pronged approach to this, which you're going to see implemented more and more over the course of this coming year. But let me just briefly describe it to you. We're positioning long-term campus pastor leadership at all of our campuses with Josh O'Donnell and Audra in Palmer, with uh, Paul and Emily Sliwa here in Wasilla, with the Ajos in Willow, and with the Farringtons in Talkeetna. I'm just telling you, there is a generation of campus pastors that are going to be running together in a unified way, cheering for one another in ways we have never seen before here at Church on the Rock. Everyone on our team recognizes that God is up to something in each one of these moves, and I am so excited about it. Here's the other piece. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm 50 and 11 months, and Paul is a little bit younger. It's not a lot, but no, the reality is that the number of years that Paul has to grow and run and learn and invest significantly outlast mine at the Wasilla campus. I'm still here. I still get to be in relationship. I still get to play my role in the lead pastor capacity, but I get to invest in the next generation as they become the leaders that God's called them to be. There are things that Paul and Emily will bring that I have not been able to bring. There are things they're passionate about that I have not pushed to the forefront that need to be pushed to the forefront. They're going to accomplish things that I have not been able to accomplish or I don't have the time to accomplish. And I'm excited about that. You should be 
excited about that. Second thing is this, decentralizing central leadership's authority. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you because you're like, what's central leadership and what does decentralized mean? Uh, The reality is, and this is something that we say often at Church on the Rock, if we're going to give away responsibility, you also have to give away authority. I love giving away responsibility. It's terrifying to give away real authority. But if we're going to accomplish all that Jesus has for us, we have to be willing to do that. And so even at a central level, we have a central leadership team and we have central services, Julia and Monica and Cheryl, uh, Jonathan Garland and I are central leadership at Church on the Rock. But we have this group that actually serves all of our campuses in all kinds of unique and different ways. But what we realize is that if we're going to accomplish everything Jesus has for us in the future, we have to give away responsibility, which means we have to give away real authority so that people can make decisions about things to move us forward. And then the last one is this, freeing the lead pastor, which happens to be me in this case, to expand COTR's reach. There are actually things that I'm really passionate about. I think I'm uniquely gifted in, and I actually have to offer to our church across all of our campuses that I really need to be investing time and energy in in the days ahead. Here's just a few of them, but um, big picture vision and mission. That's still my responsibility. Where are we going? What are we trying to accomplish? And then how are we going to get there? And then at a campus level, the campus pastors say, here's how our campus uniquely is going to accomplish what God's calling us to do. But I'm going to be investing in that. I'm going to be investing in preaching and teaching development. I actually love the creative side of putting series together, creative ideas, topics we're going to cover, but then also developing preachers and teachers at our campuses. So I'm going to be investing in that piece and then local and global networking. I want to tell you something, and this is sort of in process right now. But um, about 20 years ago, if you talk to individuals who were involved in church ministry back then here in the valley, they will tell you there was a time when churches in the valley really worked well together. And something changed. Something happened between then and now. I I can remember back um, 17 years ago or so when I was the youth pastor here, and there was a real networking between youth pastors. Nathan Lopez, myself, Aaron Chud um, over at Crossroads, which is now Northgate. There was real unity that seemed to exist, but there's been a real fracturing for whatever reason that's happened over the past several years. And yet, right now, and I can feel it in my bones. Like I can see it happening as God is doing different things at different churches in our area. Everyone from Lazy Mountain to Farm Loop to like God is doing something here. And I believe an opportunity is in front of us for real unity among the church here in the Matsu. I want to be a part of that. I'm in conversations right now with pastors from Anchorage and Eagle River and right here in the Valley. I'm in a text group with these guys, and we're talking about doing staff equipping times together with churches I never thought we would be doing stuff together with. But it's something I'm uniquely passionate about, and I believe for the church in the days ahead, we play a role in seeing that become a reality again here in the Matsu. That's pretty exciting. I'm just going to say, I mean, you might not like other churches, but I'm telling you, Jesus does. Um, And so here we go. Hashtag pastor goals. You had one job. 
For the longest time, I thought it was my job to do the work of the ministry. That you were supposed to invite people to church, and then once you invited them here, our staff took over from there and did the work of the ministry. And then I discovered several years ago that that is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, in Ephesians, it's very clearly laid out whose responsibility is what. Here's what it says, Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. I sort of always thought, that's all of it. That's all the gifts. And he's given those to the church so that when you bring people to church, they get evangelized and they get taught and they get, right, that all of that existed. But here's what it says. Their responsibility, they have one job. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This is why it's dangerous for pastors to take ownership of the people who show up at their local church. Because my job is actually to equip you to do the work of the ministry within your unique realm of influence and responsibility. In first service, it was a good friend of mine who's a commercial fisherman. He's been a commercial fisherman for years, but he's out in Bristol Bay. And I was a commercial fisherman for several years, but I was in Prince William Sound. And I was part of um, what back in the day was called the God Squad. It was this fleet of boats that kind of ran together. They were all believers. And on Sundays, we would have services on the beach, you know, and, and, and we were like, Man, we were on mission out there, but we were also encouraging one another out there because I don't know if you know this, but the commercial fishing grounds can be a challenging place if you're a Christian, uh, even if you're not. Um, but, but I realized that Tim actually has a realm of influence that I will never have influence in with a group of people that I will never have influence with. And actually, my responsibility is to equip him to do the work of the ministry within his unique realm of influence. And to the degree that pastors make you dependent on them is the degree to which we're failing at our responsibility. It's actually my job to teach you how to function in an independent way that Jesus has called you to, to help you believe that you could actually read the scriptures and get his intended meaning out of it. You can hear from the Holy Spirit. In our context, before I ever showed up here, we called it permission giving. Now, here's what people actually often want. They want to bring their idea to you, and they want you to do it. They believe if you will just make an announcement from the stage on a Sunday, this idea that I have will take off like a rocket. I tell them every time, it will not. We make so many announcements that nobody ever remembers, myself included. But the reality is that there are unique things that God has called you to. He's put in your heart. He didn't put it in your heart for me to do it. He put it in your heart for you to step into it. And my job is to resource you, equip you, cheer for you as you step into those things. And Church on the Rock's name never has to be on it because it's the church's ministry. Does that make sense? Like you should actually be excited about that because here's what I know for a fact. Every person in this room, go ahead and say every person and then say, that's me. Not me, you. Yeah, anyways, you got it. Every person has an assignment from Jesus. You have a realm of responsibility he's called you into, which also means he has given you authority in that realm of responsibility. And the sooner you step into that, the sooner we see the kingdom expand across the Matsu. I love it when you invite people to church 
right? We're going to try and accomplish the same thing with them when they show up here that we're trying to accomplish together with all of us. But the reality is you have unique relationship there. You have a responsibility there. And the sooner you hear from Jesus what that is, the sooner we all get to see him move in the valley around us. Which brings me to the power of patchwork. I made a decision here a while back with my girls that there were certain skill sets I wanted them to learn. Now, some of them were naturally pyromaniacs. I would like come out on the deck in the summertime and there were matches laying everywhere um, and they were already trying to start fires. And so I thought, man, I should probably teach them how to start fires in the appropriate places. Uh, and, and so my daughter here the other day, um, it was 14 below outside, and, and she said, she's my part Alaskan native girl, and she said, um, can I go outside and start a fire? It was 14 below. I'm like, I don't care if you set the whole house on fire. Like, it will be warmer than, you know? Anyways, I'm like, yeah, she goes outside to the fire pit and starts starting a fire. So what I decided I was going to do um, last year is I got these patches. These are a few of them. Um, but uh, I love repelling. I love mountaineering. I have all the gear. And so I got a repelling patch, um, overcoming fear, of setting up your own tent. I thought that would be helpful, mostly for me when we go camping, so I don't have to do it. Uh, building a fire um, the first time you stay out overnight camping by yourself. Navigation patches. I bought all these patches online. I said, girls, over the next summer, I'm going to teach these skills to you. And there's a way you teach skills. Now, my girls are like so excited about this. I was surprised how excited they were about it. Um, and so as soon as summer gets here, uh, we'll hold off on the winter camping piece maybe till next winter when it's not a thousand below zero. Uh, but, but here's what I've learned over the years. You probably know this, but um, there's this pathway to actually taking ownership. You're an observer, then you're a collaborator, and then you can be an owner. And this is how we raise people up. It's how you raise people up that actually I'm, I'm taking my girls, I'm saying, hey, I want you to watch me do this. I want you to watch me peel the birch bark into thin strips because that's your best fire starter ever or pulling the old man's beard off of the trees or where you get the branches from at the bottom of the spruce. I want you to watch me do it. And then we're going to collaborate. We're going to do it together. And then, then you're going to take ownership of it and I'm going to watch you. I do know that there's a period after I. I don't know why it's there, but... For those of you who obsess over those things, you probably have a gifting you don't know about. Um, we could use it here in the church. Uh, but I'm in this, pro it's the same process that you and I are in with those that we're discipling, with our children, in relationships that we have, but also here at the church. What we really want to do is hear what it is that God's called you into, give you the tools that you need to be able to step into it and then cheer for you as you do it. It's also what I need to be free to do with the up-and-coming leaders in our church. They've been watching for a while, many of them have, and now we're in a collaboration phase, and we're coming into the season where you take ownership of it, and I'm just cheering for you, and I'm in my lane doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Which brings me to what is your AOR? One of our staff saw this earlier today, and she was like, what's your AOR? No. No, there's periods after each. They're supposed to be there. <laughs> what is your area of responsibility? Because in that area of responsibility, you also can take authority. You don't have to wait for my permission or someone else's permission. If it's something Jesus has called you into, start stepping into it. 
I love um, uh, my mom and dad's life group. They're in this service. So there they are right there. Uh, I, I know it's hard to tell, but they're seniors, um, and they're running a seniors life group which just keeps growing and expanding, and then they have to split their life group, and so they're always looking for the next leaders. In fact, I showed up over there um, here this last week, I believe it was, um, and I walked in, and mom and dad were doing nothing. One of the other members of their group was actually leading the discussion. And I don't do this very often. My mom is constantly encouraging me, but it's not real often I call my mom and say, Mom, I'm proud of you, because it's weird. But I said, I just want you guys to know, you're really good leaders. Like, you're handing this thing off, and you recognize that your new AOR is actually raising up leaders so that this can expand. And as a church, as we get bigger, we have to figure out how to get smaller. Because if you want real relationship, that's where it happens. It happens in groups like that. And many in this room are probably called to be in or even to lead those kinds of groups. And in those environments, I watch them over and over meet real needs that they have. They're fully aware of what's going on in each other's lives. They're praying for one another, encouraging one another. They're not writing in a request to our benevolence committee. They're saying, how can we meet this need as the body of Christ in a local life group setting? I don't know what it is that Jesus is calling you into. But I know for each one in this room, there are areas of responsibility that he is waiting for you to step into so that his kingdom would expand, his kingdom would grow in your area of responsibility. Here's what I know over and over again, when I say yes to Jesus, joining him in what he's doing, over and over again, I get to watch him show up and him show off on behalf of those that we're ministering to. It also looks like this. I realized a couple of years ago that almost all of our missions relationships, missions funding, because of how we started as a church and how fast we grew and our passion for missions, all of that authority and responsibility resided with the lead pastor, which if you love missions, you can really enjoy having responsibility for all that. But what became really clear is we weren't effectively ministering to our missionaries very well or communicating with our church very well. And what I began to see is that there was a passion for this in Julia Bowles, who happens to be in this service right over there. Her husband's the one who broke the toe strap on our vehicle. And Julia was willing to take this on, but not just willing to take this on. What was immediately clear to me is that she was going to do it so much better than me. And she was going to surround herself with people who were also passionate about it. And she was going to hand things off to them. And one of the things we wanted to develop for a really long time is this whole idea of on mission. On mission is the piece of our missions uh, endeavors that is directly pointed at you. We want to create opportunity for you to get on the mission field by yourself or with your family or with your spouse or with your best friend, but we want to create opportunities for you to see. And one of the things that we needed to do was improve our communication because typically what we were doing is we were getting up and I'm like, hey, I'm going on a missions trip next week. If you've got $3,000, you can come with me, which is not very effective because most people don't just have $3,000 laying around that they can jump on a trip in two weeks. But Julia was like, if we were telling people a year in advance, two years in advance, what was coming up, 
more families, more individuals would get on the mission field and see what's happening out there. Maybe they catch a vision for missions and go out on the mission field themselves, or maybe they'd be called to be supporters of what God's doing all over the world. And so she went to work in this on-mission area and began putting these things together for us. And so if you go to our website now and you go into the missions tab, you'll get to meet our missionaries. But there's also a link down there that says upcoming trips. She said, what if we were thinking out ahead and creating platforms so that people could begin putting money aside as they prepare to go on a trip that's a year away or two years away? And so if you click on the upcoming trips, you'll see this right now. There's a trip to City Relief, New York City Relief that's coming up. You can click on that and learn all about it. There's a trip to Peru in 2025 coming up. All right, yeah, and then there's a trip to Uganda in 2025 coming up, but we're gonna be putting those things out. And what I realized is if I will give away not just responsibility, but I will give away authority, we will be more effective in the way that we minister, in the way that we create opportunity. You can go on to our, you can click on the links. It'll give you a whole bunch of details about those trips. Um, you can register for them. You'll end up in the application process for the trip. You can do it on our um, app as well. It'll take you to a browser if you click through those links, but I'm already looking at these for myself and dreaming about my next daughter who's going to go on a trip with me because I know what's coming up out in the future. That's what it looks like. We're going to keep doing that. We're inviting you to step into that. What are the things that God is calling you into that would grow his kingdom, expand his kingdom in the days ahead? I'm going to invite you to stand with us. It's a lot of stuff, I know. We have two Sundays in the year. Wow, it's a, tried to have a seizure. Um, just going to look this direction. We can just close our eyes if we um, <laughs> I did not take enough Adderall for this. Um, uh, looking out into the days ahead, I just want you to know, genuinely, I mean this. Uh, maybe you've had um, transition trauma over the years. Maybe you've had experiences in church environments. But the reason we're saying all this right now is we're actually inviting you to watch and see. See if what we've described isn't exactly what's going to happen. We're saying it now so that you have the opportunity to do that. But we believe God is up to some brand new things that are going to position us for the days ahead. To find your own place in ministry. I was just thinking uh, in first service, actually, Steve Baldwin is here in this service, but uh, he and Taylor Roth uh, joined David Pepper on a missions trip. In fact, I got a hat from the trip. I didn't get to go on it, but it says fishing for missions. And they went fishing on the Amazon River, which is kind of what I thought all they were going to do, but it wasn't. They also then went and built a church on the Amazon River, and they're finding creative ways to pair things together that people love doing and that's investing in missions and puts boots on the ground so that people see what's happening and they invest in it in the future. There's all kinds of things like that that are in your hearts that Jesus wants to bring out to be more effective in the church in the days ahead. So Jesus, we say thank you. We say thank you that um, you're moving and you're active, that you invite us to join you. You're not wringing your hands in heaven wondering what the next plan is or how you're going to accomplish your purposes. You already know all of those things and you invite us to seek you, to be in prayer, to be flexible, to hear from your Holy Spirit, and then to join you in what you're doing in the world. And we count that as a privilege. And we recognize that we're just scratching the surface of it, but we wanna be fully invested in all that you are inviting us into. 
say thank you for the privilege of being able to do that. In your name, amen. Our prayer ministry teams are going to be available on the sides if you have prayer needs. But hear this, um, Tuesday, Palmer Campus, Brian and Mandy Miller are in town, extraordinary worship leaders. They're going to be doing a night of worship at the Palmer Campus this Tuesday. All the information's on the app. Invite you out for that. Church on the Rock, we love you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.